Welcome to WeChat Divorce with Karen Shalou, Legal Liaison, and Katherine Shanahan, CDFA, co-founders of My Divorce Solution, the company that delivers the quintessential financial blueprint to couples facing or going through the divorce process. This blueprint, known as the MDS Financial Portrait, establishes the foundation and options an individual or couple would need to make clear financial decisions when considering divorce. Each podcast, Catherine and Karen sit down with divorce professionals and other individuals who provide insight and frank discussion about real people, real situations, and real divorce. Welcome to WeChat Divorce. Catherine and I are very happy to welcome attorney Evan Shine to our podcast today. In this episode, we're going to discuss the dynamics of discovery and the divorce process. But, but first, let me just take a couple minutes to introduce attorney Shine. Evan Shine is a New York City-based divorce and family law attorney, partner, and the head of litigation at Berkman, Botger, Newman, and Shine. During his career, Evan has litigated high-conflict custody cases and complex financial matters. Evan leads the firm's litigation practice. He's helped clients find post-divorce happiness and build successful financial lives, advocated to protect children, and fought for the rights of victims of domestic violence. Evan is the host of the Shine On podcast, where he gives an inside and unfiltered look into the world of marriage, money, divorce, and more. Welcome, Evan. Karen, Catherine, thank you for that fantastic introduction. It's great to be with you both and all your listeners. Uh, thank you for being with us. And I have to say, if you're listening, you're probably thinking the same thing I'm thinking. Shine on podcast with unfiltered talk with an attorney. How exciting <laughs> is that? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm excited to be with both of you. This is great. Yeah, good. Awesome. So on that note, you're a divorce litigator but yet you promote mediation and the well-being of families going through the divorce process. What's your story here? And how is it that you have ended up with this philosophy? Karen, it's such a great question. And it's one of my favorite things and topics to talk about. The divorce process for so many people, there's so much fear. There's so much uncertainty. It's a process that it's unknown. And unless you've been down this road before, you don't know what to expect. You don't know the direction. You don't know the path forward. And I believe it's incredibly important <clears throat> to explain to clients, what are the options? What are the options? What are the process choices available? Whether it's litigation, whether it's mediation, whether it's collaborative law, or if you're in a state that practices arbitration, it's important to educate your clients on the process and the options available. Not every case needs to be litigated. Not every case should be litigated. But if a client does not understand the options, available to her or him, not six months down the road where they're already in a messy, contested litigation that is far too expensive, but at the beginning, at the beginning of a case, or really when somebody's thinking about starting that process, embarking on the divorce journey, it's important to know the options available to consult with an attorney who can explain to the client those options available and what each option looks like. When you explain the options, which is a great point, I totally agree. You know, setting out those expectations is, is really paramount for people going through divorce. 
Can you, as the attorney behind the scenes and having handled so many cases, and we know that very small cases actually percentage-wise go to litigation, do you have a really good bird's eye over a case saying, hey, this is going to be a litigated case or not, and are able to explain to the person sitting in front of you why it probably would not be a litigated case or why it would be one? Catherine, great question. The answer is yes. Part of my job as an attorney is to set expectations and to manage expectations. I can pretty much tell within the first 15 minutes of any substantive conversation with a prospective client or when I sit down and I ask a client, what are the issues? What are your goals? If you're arguing over something that does not need to be litigated, your case should not go down that path. There's options available in mediation, collaborative law, just negotiating back and forth with the other side, you can get a deal done, you can reach a resolution, you can bring closure to such an incredibly difficult time in somebody's life in a quick, easy, simple way. But there's issues that are complex. If I represent or if I'm working with a business owner or the spouse of a business owner and there's multiple properties, if there's complex financial issues, if there's complex assets, for example, I just tried a case where it involves separate property and appreciation in a very long-term marriage. My client owned the business, and he also owned the commercial real estate that the business practiced out of. So when you have very complex financial issues, and there's claims of separate property, and there's claims of marital property, and what each spouse is going to receive, some of those issues, the financial issues, can get very complex. And so I can generally tell early on which cases are going to be litigated, and which cases are going to settle pretty quickly. Do you think those complex cases that you're saying that could be litigated or may be litigated or most likely would be litigated is due to the lack of the understanding from one of the parties of the complexity of that asset? Because I feel like when we do our, um, you know, we've developed the MDS financial portrait and we don't come from an advice standpoint, we come from a knowledge standpoint. And it just really has been shown over the last few years how when the spouse who is not in the business or not involved with that complex case, when they're informed and they know how to interpret the the asset and they know how to access the excuse me, asset and they have more knowledge about the asset, they're able to make smart decisions without actually a judge telling them what to do when the two attorneys can really just talk that out. Um, not having that knowledge, I feel like, is what sends a lot of people into that litigation route. Catherine, I love this question. Knowledge is power. Education is absolutely everything. And th- not every case, again, even when there's complex financial assets, the cases don't have to be litigated. Clients don't have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, hire five or six different appraisers to evaluate businesses in real estate. The important thing is if you have attorneys, who understand the process, if you have clients who are educated, if you have clients who could over time develop trust to learn about the financial process, the assets involved, cases can and should settle. But what happens is, and you make a really great point, if somebody doesn't understand the assets, if someone feels that somebody's hiding something, if there's a lack of trust at the beginning of the process and everybody isn't working together to help understand the full financial picture, that's going to have a domino effect and it's going to send the case to a place where it doesn't need to be if everybody can get ahead of it at the beginning. And part of that process and the due diligence and the work that you do and Karen 
does as well is helping people to understand the financial process, the financial picture, and giving both parties the full understanding so their attorneys can do the work to help them get to the place where they need to be, which is separated, divorced, and figuring out next steps. Boy, if we could replay that again and again and again, it's exactly what we say, you know, which is exactly why we love to align with attorneys like you who actually get that concept. You know, it's really hard to have two attorneys on both sides thinking the same way like that. Well, and Catherine, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what happens. In, 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 again, another great point. Attorneys have to set out ex- proper expectations for clients. And if you work with an attorney or you work with a financial advisor or a financial professional or any professional who doesn't have the same fundamental core belief that a client does in terms of helping somebody get from point A to point B, watch how quickly that case takes on a life of its own. And it's very problematic. And anytime I take over a case, it's amazing to me. And at this point, it probably shouldn't be when clients say, Evan, if I knew this, if I knew that. If this was explained to me at the beginning of my case, you know what? I probably wouldn't be in your office because my case would be settled and I would be divorced. Yeah, that's exactly right. And from my experience with clients having their first um, or developing their initial relationship with their attorneys, especially if they go to what they consider as a shark attorney, um, I think I try to help clients understand the difference between a shark attorney and a smart attorney. Um, (laughs) But, you know, they get... I feel like the attorney answers most of their questions with, it depends, it depends, everything depends. And of course it depends, but they walk away feeling worse than when they started. And then they start throwing paperwork at the attorney. And then they're more confused because they think the attorney should be addressing every piece of paper as it's coming in. And then to your point, it takes a life of its own and it goes off the rails and you know, they can easily get fifty, sixty thousand dollars in and still be as confused as they were when they started. So, you know, Karen, you bring up a really good point there. And, it, you know, as you even say the word, you know, I'm a financial person, so I'm not, you know, I'm not the taking it from the attorney version. Um, so I give a lot of pushback to people like you, Evan, because I just do. <laughs> but when she said that word, that those two words, it depends, immediately my stomach right here, sitting here right now, got a little agitated. So that life of its own that everyone's talking about is for the person on the other side who's going through the process saying, don't tell me it depends. Although I know legally you're bound to say that for a lot of reasons, the common person like myself doesn't understand that. We just want to be informed, right? Well, he, we just he, he, want... And here's the thing is that in litigation, sometimes it does depend. It depends on the judge. It depends on the issues. It depends on the other side. And I tell everybody there's four people involved in every case. It's the clients and it's the attorneys. To settle a case and have control over how it settles takes everybody. It takes all four people to be on the same page. For a case to go off the rails, it takes only one of those four people to have a different expectation, to get bad advice from an attorney, a financial professional, and the case proceeds to litigation. And that's when you hear about the cases that are in court for three years and four years, and people are spending exorbitant sums of money. But the thing about divorce is there's a playbook, right? There's a script. And how do we keep that script being followed? How do we keep that playbook being followed? And it's very easy for people to go off script. It's very easy for that playbook to get thrown out the window. 
But what if we had a better playbook, a different playbook, where the playbook accounted for certain things? If the attorneys and the professionals involved were people who understood what a client wanted, a client's goals, and everybody was working in rhythm and in sync with one another to get the best possible outcome for a client. Because every client's goals are different, right? Some people, you know what, $100,000 here, $50,000 there. People want to move forward. And if it means bringing a case to an end, sometimes it's just not worth the fight for certain people. And when you go into an attorney's office, and Karen, you mentioned a shark attorney, that shark attorney isn't talking about collaborative law, mediation, other ways to settle a divorce. That attorney and most attorneys are only speaking about what they know. And if they're not an attorney or a firm that understands the benefits to litigation, mediation, and collaborative law, the only way that that attorney is answering the client who's sitting across from her or him, those questions is with what he or she knows, which is you must go to court. You must fight no matter what it takes. You must hire this appraiser. But that's not great advice. You know, it's so refreshing. I'm sorry. It's so refreshing to hear you say all of this because we work tirelessly on creating our portrait because we believe that everybody needs to work on the same page. We believe that each side needs their expectations and their strategies or however you want to word that. But to take the emotions out of the decision-making process has to be that everyone's working with the same data, right? And so when people come to us, they're unleashing their emotions in a really non-biased, safe environment where we get to transform it into the data that is now shared with both sides, you know, whether it's the mediator or if it has to be a litigated case or they just has two attorney representation, it doesn't matter. We certainly can tell the temperature of both parties and be able to um, make suggestions on who might be a good fit for them. But the importance of just having all the same data will let these families learn how to compromise because everybody's compromising in divorce. But when you're compromising with knowledge, your attorneys that you're paying them the money to that they're earning is worth it because they're making decisions based on this, not somebody derailing because you're not working on the same page with the data. It's all data at this point. Absolutely. And and I love saying divorce is the greatest team sport. Nobody should go through it alone. You shouldn't try to navigate it by yourself. You shouldn't try to navigate it with just your attorney to get through a divorce and to get through it the way you should get through it, which is, Look forward to life ahead to get through it in a way that makes sense and works and that's efficient and effective. It's a true team sport. It it, it takes every a a team. Everybody plays a role, the financial professional, the attorney, perhaps other professionals such as a therapist or a business evaluator. But if you take the sport of, let's say, baseball or football and you look at the great sports dynasties of all time, Everybody from top to bottom played a meaningful role. And I truly believe divorce is a team sport. And if you have a a team, a team of really excellent trusted professionals, it's the best way to go from point A to point B and to move forward in a very healthy, productive way. I love that. Totally agree. Yeah. And to our topic today, which I think is going to be very important for people to hear your perspective, the discovery process is one of the most misunderstood pieces of divorce. Attorneys know they have to do it because they're procedurally mandated to do it, but clients are very confused about how it works. So can you talk to us about what is the divorce 
not the divorce, the discovery process and kind of break it down in a way that a person who may not have gone through that yet can understand what the pieces of it are and what an attorney's responsibility to that is. In a very simple way, the discovery process is how you understand and how you educate yourself on the overall financial picture. The discovery process, in regardless of whether you're in litigation or you're negotiating or your case is being moved forward through the mediation process, the discovery phase of a case is the exchange of financial information. And I say financial information because it could be documents, it could be bank statements, credit card statements, it can be working with professionals to fill out financial forms, financial statements. But at its core, at its foundation, the discovery phase of a case is how both sides can learn about information about the other person's finances and assets and really fill in the holes and fill in the gaps. I mean, the truth is, if there's compliance, if everybody's on the same page at the beginning, a lot of this work is done at the outset. And I really view the discovery process as a way to fill in the holes, to fill in the gaps of missing information. Maybe instead of five years of tax returns, only three years were produced at the beginning. You might need an additional year or two. Maybe instead of five years of bank statements, only three were produced and you may need an additional year or two. So the discovery process is one that really doesn't start or really should start at the beginning of a case. Because if you want your case to move forward, if you want your case to settle, both sides, not just one, but both sides need to really have a true picture and a true understanding of what the financial process looks like. And if your case is in court and there's information that either side needs that has not been produced, the court will dictate the discovery schedule. And what that means, if you're in litigation and you're in court, the judge will set dates and deadlines by which both parties need to comply produce different financial documents that are requested, credit card statements, bank statements, checking account statements, savings, retirement, investment accounts, the list goes on and on. And that phase is really where you learn about someone's finances if you already don't have a clear picture of what the overall financial asset picture looks like. The separate part or the second part of the discovery phase is in addition to exchanging hard financial documents, there's something called depositions. Depositions in the court process is where the attorney gets to ask your, your spouse or partner financial questions, at least in the state of New York, where depositions are limited to financial questions only. You get to ask someone under oath questions about somebody's assets, about bank statements, credit card statements, anything you want, so long as it's relevant and proper to the issue of finances. And at the conclusion of the discovery phase, if it's handled correctly, if it's done right, both sides should have a true picture, a true understanding of all the financial assets in the case. That's a very good breakdown. Thank you. And again, it really matters how that process is started. It's my belief that it really matters how it's starting because that is where the trust foundation begins. And believe me, we all know here today that people getting divorced typically don't trust each other. That's pretty much why they're getting divorced at that point. However, if we can start the process with gathering that data, we don't need two attorneys, quite frankly, to gather this data. That's not what you're trained to do by gathering this. You have to follow your mandates. I get that if one party is not producing the information. But what we do is try to work with them to gather all of that 
so that they're they're really putting out there that, listen, I'm going to be transparent. I'm going to give this information. I know I have to. And then then it's, we get to hand it over to both sides so they have it. And then the discovery process really only has to occur if you see a missing gap, like you said, or if you see something that wasn't produced that you really wanted, or we asked for five years of tax returns and they only gave us two and had no explanation why they couldn't give us the other three. Some people have explanations, but if we say to you and if in a consideration, he just, he or she just refused to give it. Now you could just zone in on that. You don't have to go through the whole minutia of getting the things that we've already gotten. We don't need two experts, two um, litigators to collect that data um, because there it is, you know, and then the couple gets to start working. You have those expectations. Again, it's always comes down to the expectations, right? Absolutely. And, and, and Catherine, you make such a great point. There's this phrase that I use sometimes. It's called divorce limbo. And it, it, it mm. is the most uncomfortable, I believe, phase or experience for a client to go through. If you're going to start a divorce action, and I tell everybody this be prepared, be organized. Just like you said, don't wait to produce documents, to share financial information. I'm going to break the news on your podcast. It's going to come out. It's going to come out anyway. <laughs> and so at the end of the day- Breaking, you, breaking. That's right. And, and here's the thing, because I litigate, because I'm in a courtroom, at the end of the day, if someone isn't complying, the judge is going to mandate that somebody produce documents. You can serve subpoenas. They're your attorney is going to get the documents. So produce it, give it up, do it in the beginning. If you want to have a divorce and divorce the right way, get ahead of it, get ahead of it at the beginning, because otherwise you're living in divorce limbo. And really what I mean by that is if somebody starts a divorce process and he or she doesn't know what's next, that's not great. Do the work ahead of time. Have a plan with your attorney, with your financial professional, Whoever the client is working with, have a plan, a short-term plan, a long-term plan, have a path, have a direction. Don't file for divorce and not be able to say to somebody, this is what happens next, because it's an absolutely terrible feeling for somebody to be in. Going through divorce is hard enough. Going through divorce and feeling like your life, money, your kids, everybody's in limbo. It's an absolute terrible feeling. But here's the key. It could be avoided if it's handled correctly. Exactly. And here's the scenario. Um, you go to an attorney, you filed your divorce complaint, that, that's done. You start the discovery process and you get those two documents called interrogatories and requests for production of documents, right? And they're long and they're intimidating and overwhelming. Well, how great would it be if you could just say, oh, I've already done that. Here you go. Here it is the data, the documents to support it. I'll answer these questions. Boom, boom. So not only is it great for the client because that emotion of fear and overwhelm is dissipated, but it's also great for the attorney because it's delivered in a package, not in over the course of months and sometimes years of requesting documents that are just dribbling in. Absolutely. I mean, that goes back. That's the perfect playbook. That's the perfect script on how to get divorced, how to get divorced the right way, exchange your documents, exchange your financials, work in a way that 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 helps both parties to understand what exists. You can't divide what you don't know exists. And again, it's going to come out. And so get ahead of it, work in a way. And look, 
you don't necessarily, a client doesn't necessarily have to have the most amicable, amicable divorce. Catherine, you mentioned in most divorces, there's a lack of trust. In many divorces, the communication is problematic and it's not there. You don't need to necessarily be best friends as you're going through the divorce process. That's not <laughs> what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is simply complying, producing your financial documents, getting ahead of it, having a plan, working smart, working in an intelligent way, working with people who want to help you get from where you are now, which is a not so great place to a much better place and how to do that in an efficient, effective way. When people say to me, Evan, my case has been in court for five years or nine mm-hmm. years, and these are people who I don't represent. And I hear these stories. To me, it's, it, it's you have to go back and examine what happened. And I can pretty much guarantee before I even ask that question, I know there's a list of about five to seven things what went wrong. And one of those things always is someone was not forthcoming with financial documentation. Somebody tried to hide assets. Someone was withdrawing money. Someone was gifting money to a family member. It's all discoverable. And so if you know that and your attorney explains it to you and the people you're working with help you to understand what's the process ahead is going to look like, if you don't do A, B, C, D, you'll do it in the beginning of the case. Yeah. Yeah. And even in addition to that, and I totally agree with everything that you just said, is that even for the, you know, kudos to the ones who were really forthcoming with their information and kudos to the business owners and the complex cases that they give you all that information. The problem can still lie in that the other party doesn't understand, doesn't have the a literacy, financial literacy of those assets. So they're being asked to make decisions on people who are not explaining to them or they don't get the bird's eye view or the playbook or the blueprint, we call it, to the decision-making. But how exciting would it be? I probably would love to be an attorney if I could not litigate, but I would call it <laughs> negotiate because I love negotiating. But if, if, you, if we're handing you this document and your opposing counsel has the same document and now you're negotiating, you're not litigating because you don't need a judge to tell you what to do. A judge doesn't want to tell you what to do, but you're actually negotiating what you're trained to do trying to get the best compromise for your client while they're trying to get the best compromise. And then your client understands it because they're seeing it. To me, it's just such a great way to save families who are going through divorce, because I think the narrative needs to change. You know, I I am a divorcee, I'm remarried, but it's just a part of my story. And all of these people are going into new relationships. I'm remarried. Um, everyone's getting remarried. So why not go into a new marriage in a healthier view? Because you didn't have to be tortured through your divorce of your prior marriage. Catherine, you're 100% right. And and, and here's the other piece, and you touch on it, about the divorce process. Even in the scenario that you mentioned, someone who maybe doesn't have the financial sophistication or the financial background to understand numbers or complex financial concepts, the divorce process, I find, can be a very empowering process. When someone could understand the finances and whether it's balancing a checkbook, whether it's in investments, whether it's other basic concepts or learn more about money. How great is that? How fantastic is that? Because here's the other piece of it. There's going to be life after divorce. Someone may be, as you mentioned, in new relationships. Someone wants to be be in a position to explain to their children about money, about saving, about investments. And in that power, that knowledge, it's an incredible feeling 
But in order for that to happen, the person needs to work with the right team. It gets back to the whole divorce is a team sport because there, there's other things to consider besides just the divorce process. It's life after divorce, having that knowledge, having that education, being empowered by what you learn in the divorce process and taking that knowledge and applying it to other areas of your life. It's so true. And that's why we really focus on coming from the knowledge, non-advisory standpoint, so that the entire team can then make good decisions, make you make smart decisions when you have knowledge. You don't have to know what the market's doing every single day. You don't have to know what every investment actually means, but you have to understand that every decision has an outcome, you know, and and when you have the knowledge, it's everything in divorce. And the other piece of it too is divorce is so emotional. And I know it's something that, you know, the three of us have talked about and it's, it's, it's emotional and it's a hard process for people to go through. And a lot of times emotion drives people to make irrational decisions in terms of settling cases, whether it's the house they want, but they can't afford it, whether it's the, the, the you know, something else that somebody wants, but they can't afford it. And so it gets back to, to the simple concepts of, well, if you want the house, let's look at the cash flow. Let's look at the other assets. Let's look, is this something that makes sense? And by having those conversations and discussions then it puts people in the position to, to get a fair settlement, a very good settlement, and one that they know that they could feel good about and that they truly, truly understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I was just thinking the same thing, Evan. I feel people often look for emotional justice as a part of the divorce process, and it's just not. You know, there is no emotional justice. So, you know, as bad as you think the other person treated or whether he or she is doing whatever they may be doing, that's not going to get resolved. What's going to get resolved is the formulaic division of marital assets and support and a parenting plan if needed. Am am I saying that correctly? Absolutely. And you are. And Karen, here's the thing. Clients say to me all the time, Evan, I want to go to court. I want the judge to know everything that happened in my relationship, in my marriage. I want the judge to know all the bad things that my spouse did to me. And, but here's the key. You have to manage your client's expectation because one, court is very expensive. It's time consuming. But here's the other piece of it. The judge isn't going to care about all the things your spouse did or didn't do in your relationship and in your marriage. And if you're looking for that, validation from the court, you're not going to get it. And what you're going to get is you're going to get the feeling that we're not heard. You spent a lot of time and a lot of money and your case is likely to go on for another year or two years. And so I tell everybody, whatever your image is of the court process, right? If it's based on television, if it's based on movies, that's not reality. That's not reality. And it doesn't matter what, what your favorite divorce or, or, or any legal movie is. That's not going to happen. I mean, it's, it's not going to play out like you see it on television, like you see it in the movies. And I tell clients a lot of times before the first appearance, go to the courthouse, know how to get there, experience it, feel it, know where you're going, sit in a courtroom, see what happens. Because if you can experience that, if you can feel that, then you know what the process actually looks like, 
not what your friends tell you, not what you see on TV. And if you understand that, then you can make an informed decision as to whether litigation and going to court is really the process that you want to take. Boy, we could do a whole podcast podcast on that because I have a lot to say, but I won't say it now, but you're so, <laughs> you're so right. And um, yeah, I think we will have to do another podcast on that because it's such an important topic um, yeah. and such a misunderstanding um, that it would really be great to discuss it even further. I mean, I could talk to you forever and I just love to drill you about a lot of things because I love what you say. <laughs> no, absolutely. We'll have to come back, do a, uh, do a part two. Awesome. I have one more question on this topic before we conclude our discussion today, though, on that note, Catherine. Many of our clients feel very lost and confused, especially during discovery as their funds are quickly becoming extinct. They're spending a ton of their marital state on processing the discovery but they also feel like they have no power. Is there something a client can do to be more proactive with their time and more in the know when interacting with their legal team? Are there specific things they can be asking their attorney or are there specific things they can be doing when they feel so lost and out of a loop during that process of the exchange of documents? Love the question. And I have two answers in response. One, clients should be part of the process. Don't just follow direction. Don't just follow what your, your attorney sends you or, or, you know, ask, why is this necessary? Is this relevant, right? What's the goal? And the other piece of it too is a client should identify goals early on. And if your goal is to, to, to you know, to keep the house, if your goal is, you know, to, to receive X amount in child support, whatever the goal is, right, or to resolve it quickly, Um any plan that's being formulated should really be a plan that is focused based on the goals that the client articulates to the attorney. And lastly, I can't stress enough how important it is to be prepared. Be organized when it comes to your financial affairs and your financial orders, and whether it's working with professionals, whether it's complying basic information, do it in the beginning, do it even before you file for divorce. I've, I have people who reach out to me and say, how could I be prepared before I even start the process, which is my ideal client and my favorite phone call, because I can tell you exactly who you should work with and how you should work and the documents that you need, and then go off and do it. But when I say go off and do it, go off and do it smartly, intelligently, and work with people who could advise you on how to be organized, not just in the beginning, but really to, to help someone stay organized through the course of the divorce process, because it's a roller coaster. There's ups, there's downs, there's good days, there's bad days. But if you can be organized in the beginning, watch how much better and smoother the process will be by getting ahead of things and being prepared. Absolutely. Maybe we can use that on our commercial. I like it. <laughs> I like this. But I want to tell you, there's two breaking news here. If you're listening, Evan, this is great. He had two breaking news that all of you should write down. You have to produce this information. You don't want him to have to get it, so be forthcoming. And number two, which I love, life goes on after divorce. Love that. Me too. So this concludes our episode on the dynamics of discovery in the divorce podcast with attorney Evan Shine. Thank you, Evan, for a great conversation. Karen, Catherine, it was a pleasure being with you. Thank you.